You're now listening to Inside the 18, presented by Aviata Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy with Michael Madgett and Trevor Stiles. Welcome to Inside the 18, presented by Aviata Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy. I'm Michael Madgett, and with me is Aviata Sports' Trevor Stiles. I, I'd like it if you went more kind of Wayne's World, like, and with me as always is you can say Garth and we'll just fill in Trevor Styles. I think that works a little better next time. Just, just an idea going forward, Mike. You know, based on your haircut right now, I'd say you're a little more Wayne, but you know, <laughs> I'm going for something new. I'm hitting that mid 30 stride. I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm trying to revamp myself. How's that? Mid 30 stride, dude, you're going for the 17 year old goth punk look. It's and a, it might be going blonde next week. So, I mean, when you see me then we'll, we'll have a real chat about it. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to uh, episode four. I can't believe we're actually at episode four now. And uh, with us uh, to uh, commemorate our fourth episode is uh, PGKA's uh, very own Ian Foyer. Ian, what's up? How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you doing? Stoked, man. Stoked to have you on uh, because this is a topic that I think is, uh, is, is very important and I think a lot of people need to discuss it. Uh, today on Inside the 18, we're going to be discussing uh, incorporating the goalkeeper into the team setting and uh, the dilemmas that the goalkeeper coach and the team coach face uh, with uh, with this um, this whole situation. So, uh, Ian, I know you have a lot of thoughts in regards to this. So let, let, let's start off with you. Uh, what, are, what are your feelings on this, and and what are some of the issues you've seen? Um, personally, I just think it's one of the biggest pieces missing with goalkeeper development. Um, you know, we have keepers that train with their keeper coaches. And then they go with their team. And then when you watch what they work on with their team, um, it never incorporates, you know, the goalkeeper with his defenders and decision-making and, and all of those things. So all of a sudden they get into a game and, uh, you know, they've never had repetitions on, on, on those situations. So it's, you know, they're getting sometimes yelled at or cut from a team for, let's say, you know, not being good on 1v1s where, you know, the, the the head coach really never worked on 1v1s with their goalkeeper. Um, if you were to have a football team and tell your quarterback, you know, go off to the side and just throw a ball with the other quarterback um, and never involved him in, in, in the, the game and the, you know, the situational training, um, I doubt you'd have a, go- a quarterback that could make uh, proper game decisions. So um, it's at times frustrating, you know to see some goalkeepers who have a ton of potential and you train them technically as a goalkeeper coach um, and you try to bring those game scenarios into your training as a goalkeeper coach, but you're very limited because, you know, you could say what you want to the keeper, um, but they have to go back to their team and, and replicate it and then explain it to their defenders and then explain it to the coach and, you know, all these kind of situations. So I think it's something that's lacking tremendously in this country. Yeah, Trevor. Now you you kind of have the same issues happen with you over at Total Keeper Training up in up in Victoria, don't you? Um, I know some of the clubs in your area they might not be, let's say, as uh, as advanced as some of your specific training that you do. So so how do you deal with that up there? I mean, I, I think Ian's got a solid point, and the biggest dilemma is just that conversion of the goalkeeper into the team. And you have so many keepers who come to me and they say, you know what, my team practice is great, except I don't feel I'm being integrated properly. I don't feel I'm getting the right stuff happening. I don't feel the resources there to me to be a part of the team. And and Ian's right. As a goalkeeper, you really are the quarterback. You see the whole field, right? You're calling out to your back line. You're making sure everything's going the right way. And I feel so much is missed when you train with yourself or with Ian or myself as a goalkeeper, and then you go back and kind of amalgamate your team. 
of, of how you fit in. And the problem too is so many coaches I hear come, head coaches go, how, how do I incorporate my keeper in the team? How do I get them so they're a part of the team? And as Ian said, one of the things is to say a break or a breakthrough or one-on-one play, half of that just isn't the technical size of goalkeeper. It's also talking to your back line, having that conviction where you know what they're going to do, they know what you're going to do, and making sure that's been taught, gone over in you know actual field team sessions so everyone knows what's going on. There seems to be such a disconnect. It's almost like you need a liaison half the time where you have someone in between head coach, goalkeeper coach that kind of works with that area because it really gets lost. And unfortunately, as you know, you know, a training session lasts, what, in an hour, maybe 90 minutes to make it two or three sessions with their team a week. There's not always time to fill that in. But I know from all the coaches I speak to, that's one of the biggest issues, especially when coaches go and they say, oh, my goalkeeper didn't do this or, oh, my goalkeeper didn't do that. And as Ian said, well, did you work on it? And they go, well, well no. And it's almost lost of whose job it is, the goalkeeper coach or the head coach on uncertain parts of the game. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you guys are both bringing up really valid points. I think one of the issues that we really have in this country is coaching education in regards to how to incorporate the goalkeeper. Uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm I'm very happy about is a lot of times when I take a licensed course, they, they try to work with the, the field player coaches who are the majority of the people who are there at those courses on how to understand how to incorporate a goalkeeper. Um, but yet there's this, still this certain level of, I don't want to say arrogance, but 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 definitely almost kind of a a lack of either desire um, or or wanting to learn the position uh, by a lot of team coaches, especially in the club youth environment. And and Ian, I know you've run into this quite often, where you've tried to set up coaching education for team coaches to understand how to work with their goalkeepers, and they just simply just don't want to learn. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there's a it's almost a fear. You know, um, it's a fear that, you know, the kid, the head coach hasn't played goalkeeper. And, um, you know, it's just this, this, I, I, I kind of don't understand it because I'm a goalkeeper coach, but I also want to become a head coach. So I also, you know, study head coaching and I study all the different tactics and all this stuff. I just feel the goalkeeper is part of your team. Period. And, to, to not understand the basic components of that. And, and I don't, what I tell coaches all the time, you don't have to learn so much the technical aspect. I mean, leave that for the keeper coach, you know? Um, what I would like them to understand is get it, get it with the keeper coach and understand, you know, decision-making, understand the tactical side, the functional side, all these kind of situations that, you know, goalkeepers find themselves in, and getting, you know, yelled at, you know, I mean, those are the things that the, the, the head coach needs to start to, you know, learn and, and incorporate into his training. Because like I said before, if you don't have the repetitions on it, I mean, how can you really expect uh, a keeper to do the right thing? And, and I do a lot of, um, of these seminars, you know, through U.S. soccer and I, you know, do the licenses and, you know, half of them you know, do have the ego and they're, they're just, you know, they don't want to learn. And then the other half are just so excited because they were so fearful of it before. But when you explain it, how simple it is to, to incorporate them into the training, they get this whole new energy about their coaching and they're excited, you know, and I think it's up to, um, you know, the head coaches and the keeper coaches to get together and understand the importance of this. I mean, as you, you know, as we're, you know, we saw in the Champions League this week and, and different games, if you watch, I mean, the keepers, they make, 
you know, they can make or break your team in, in a split second. And uh, if you have a solid keeper making good decisions, you know, you're going to probably do well as a team. And I just don't quite understand how, you know, coaches don't seek out more information um, on it. And they kind of just usually just sweep it under the rug. And, you know, the ones that do, um, I, I see instant uh, instant results, you know, um, the ones that look into into advancing their own coaching education. Absolutely. And I, I like one of the things you brought up there in regards to the goalkeeper is part of the team. It is part, he's part of the entire 11 that's out on the field right there. Yeah. So one suggestion I would make, and if I was involved in U S soccer in, in, in the, the coaching aspect in regards to what, what is required is I would make it mandatory uh, goalkeeper coaching education in regards to further up the advanced licenses uh, in the USSF. Uh, do you think this, this yeah. would be something that would work well? Well, I used to coach the um, the U.S. soccer um, goalkeeping license, and it was a week-long course. And we would always have, you know, give or take 60 coaches. You know, head, it was geared towards the head coach incorporating, um, you know, the keeper into the team. It was one of the best licenses ever. I mean, coaches came up to us and uh, were just, you know, blown away with what they learned and how – how things work and, and, you know, little details and how to, how to deal with your keeper, how to talk to them, how to incorporate them in different sessions and all that. Um, and I think that they stopped doing that, that exact license, which is a shame. Um, but uh, to me, it's, it's a definite must. And like I said, I mean, a quarterback is part of a football team, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. I, mean, absolutely. I don't see a difference there, but in football, you don't see the quarterback not, working with his team and it's just somehow we have to get the word out that this is an absolute must i i, so, I find uh, it too. mike let me cut you off real quick so, sure. so my question is no, what is the easiest way mike and, and ian what would you say is that if you were teaching a one-day seminar and you had three major topics to go over of how you would incorporate the goalkeeper in day-to-day sessions what are the three biggest things you think you do would it be work, working with the back line and the goalkeeper for talking, communication, management? Would it be as simple as making sure the goalkeeper is involved in, you know, mini scrimmages, play on the field, or in keep away and possession? What What are the three things you would do in, say, a one-day seminar? So, I mean, so coaches and people listening can hear and say, great, that's wonderful you guys are talking about it, but, but what could I do? What makes it simple? I mean, Ian, do you want to start or I, I can start? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very, right, very opinionated I'm on this. Sure. So. Go ahead. What was the question? I think he, you know, basically uh, what Trevor was saying is that how, what would be if you were running a one day seminar on working with a team coach on how to incorporate the goalkeeper into their sessions properly, what would be the three main components that you would bring to the table? I mean, personally, I, I've got my opinions, but we would love to hear hear what you would think. Um, before we move forward? I mean, in terms of, of topic, I mean, it would have to be, the, you know, the three major ones, you know, it would be, for me, um, 1v1s, you know, balls into the box crossing and that, and then obviously the big one is the, the you know, the, the back pass distribution and, you know, working out of the back with your feet. Um, the shot stopping, yeah, I mean, that's more, you know, we could work on that with the team too, but I think as a keeper coach, that would be, uh, you know, not last on my list when it ter- comes to the team stuff. 
um, obviously you have to work on it, but the other stuff is when you have, um, you know, decisions to make. So for me, it'd be, it'd be those three, um, topics that, you know, are so mandatory to work on. And I mean, I have keepers that have come in while I was working with LA galaxy from top colleges and their lack of knowledge of, of the game was, was shocking. You know, um, they were just basically shot stoppers and, you know, all they've done their whole, you know, career from age, you know, eight till through college was, you know, jump over something and run across and, you know, fly through the air. And I mean, that's such a minuscule part of goalkeeping. It's ridiculous. And that's all they've worked on. And all of a sudden we get into the game. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to get the back four up, when to get them back, you know, get them up, when to hold, when to drop, when to, you know, all these little things. I mean, I could just name a million things that they've never worked on. And it's, it's not to me necessarily the keeper coach's fault. It's, it's, it's not anyone's fault. It's just a lack of understanding that the goalkeeper is part of the team and you have to work with them and you have to seek out as a head coach ways of information. I mean, now, I mean, there's, there's nothing you can't find out, you know, if you just really want to do it. So again, I think it's, Again, it's a fear almost, you know, um, you know, of, of, of just going into this unknown, you know, position that you never played as a head coach. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. There are ways of figuring stuff out. And, you know, one of them is the, the, the seminars that, that we as keeper coaches try to put on, you know, for head coaches. I know I do a lot of these. I've gone to different clubs and, and like I said, just the results have been just amazing. Yeah, for me, I would say the number one issue that I I would, if I was talking to a team coach and said, what's the number one thing you need to really work on is incorporating your goalkeeper with your back line because your goalkeeper is another player on that back line, essentially. And if exactly. they don't understand how to work together, you're ne yep. they're never going to, from a situational standpoint, once they get in the game, they're not going to be on the same page. Now you're talking about when you're talking about the 1v1 situations, when you're talking about yep. being able to delay, when you're talking about reading a flit flighted ball, they're going to be in completely different areas. And if they if only first off, this is an another reason why I'm I'm very strong on the whole aspect of in group scenario situations as a goalkeeper coach, we need to do a lot of situational play. Everything that happens in the oh, game yeah. is what you should be training. You shouldn't be training anything that yep. doesn't happen in the game. Otherwise, you're just doing something you're doing a foreign sport basically so yeah if your team if you see that your club coaches are not giving that to your goalkeepers then you need to replicate that in your sessions with age appropriate and ability appropriate goalkeepers working together in those scenarios if they can't play with the, yeah. their feet you know they're they should be working on that with their team and if they can't strike a ball then if you have to come in and do that too but you have to find a way to as well as possible replicate and simulate the game environment and that's one of the things that i love about your sessions that you run in the summertime when you do the, the camps there it's unlike any other goalkeeper camps i've been seeing out there which are primarily just very much technically shot, based. shot stopping exactly technical yeah. shot stopping yeah ian does well thank, incorporate thank you every... i mean that's it's interesting because i've changed i've had to adapt what i do um when i first came back from europe in 2006 um i would do my camps and i would do my camps you know, very similar to my private sessions, you know, it was very technical and, you know, all these things. And, and 
um, repetitions on technique and that. Um, so after a while, I just kept getting, you know, calls or texts or, or whatever, talking to parents and they're like, can we work on, you know, one B ones? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. What do you need to work on? Well, they don't know when to come out and they, they don't know when the defenders it. I go, wait, you don't work on that with your team. And they go, no. And then they would be like, okay, corner kicks, crosses, balls in the box, one V one back passes. How do we, when do we, you know, all these things. So I, I eventually I did, adapted my, my camps. Um, we literally have a five minute warm up, and it's like basically just, you know, volleys, you know, and if you need more than that, you need to get there early and, and get a partner and start doing stuff because in the two hours we have, I want to fill it up now. I gear my, my camps now strictly those scenarios, decision-making, back four, uh, you know, balls in the box, coming out for crosses with distractions, with defenders, with forward 1v1s, defenders coming in, the forwards coming in, you know, uh, distribution, back passes with, with pressure and, and, you know, all these things that happen in a game that never, ever get worked on with the keeper. And it's just so unfair to ask, you know, our keepers, it, you know, and I, it's funny, I do these, uh, I do the, the U.S. soccer, you know, licenses or, or even some of the, the club, the local ones that I do where I have all the coaches in front of me. And the first question I ask them, I go, do you speak uh, um, fluent Dutch? And they all kind of look at me, and I, I speak fluent Dutch, just so you know. And they all like, you know, no. And I start speaking to them in Dutch. And what I say to them is, I go, "Well, I would never pick you as a head coach because you don't speak Dutch." And they uh, they're clueless what I'm saying. And then I tell them what I say, and they start going, "What are you getting at?" I go, "Well, what I'm getting at," and, and I do it in a in a positive, funny kind of way, so it's not like a, a put down. I tell them, I go, "What I'm getting at is." You don't speak Dutch, and the reason you don't speak Dutch because you've never been taught. And I go, but yet I expected you to speak Dutch, having never been taught. And now that you don't speak Dutch, I'm telling you I'd never pick you as a as a coach. I said that's what we're doing with our goalkeepers. We're expecting them to make good decisions, to know the game. And I said you're not teaching them the game. I go, if you put a goalkeeper, let's say, and you go, all right, we're going to work you know, possession and you don't even think about it. So you just, and a lot of coaches do this. They put the goalkeeper in a possession game and they'll be in the middle of the field and they can, you know, they play possession with their feet. Okay. It's okay to do that. The problem is as a goalkeeper, we can't go backwards. So how is putting a goalkeeper in the middle of a field with 10 players, 10 V 10, eight V eight, whatever you're doing and playing possession, it's not helping them. What you need to do is put the goalkeepers on the end of the field. Okay and have them, you know, have to play in front of them. They cannot go backwards. So the, just that little twist, coaches go, oh, my God, wow, okay, I never thought of that, you know. So, again, these, these little things that they got to realize that, you know, we need to incorporate, it's, it's game-changing. Yeah, but um, one last thing I want to bring up before we kind of we kind of move on and, and talk to you just in general in regards to how you got into coaching, Ian, um, is one thing, if, I, if I'm – any DOCs are listening out there. One thing that I've seen that's been very successful is, uh, and I know resources are always difficult for clubs, but you gotta, you gotta think of this as something that's important for your club in regards to the overall development of your goalkeepers who are paying members of your club. And, and that yeah. is, is having the goalkeeper coaches come out to the games. 
Uh, I know that's an extra expense because you obviously have to supplement the coaches for their time to come out there, but you will see the results because when the coaches actually get to watch the players in the games and they get to work with them, it, it can be very simple. You guys have three or four games on a Saturday, you know, at the club levels at different ages, coach comes out, goalkeeper coach comes out, watches a few games you're going to see the results. Trust me. Huge. Huge. Mike, and that's, that's something where it's like, oh, let's say my personal account, I'm not sure about yours. 100%. And with Ian. The problem but we're I, dealing with in America though, and this is a whole different topic. Yeah. We're dealing with um, money. We're dealing with um, time, you know, all these different things. I mean, in Europe, it's just, they're just, it's not even a comparison what they're, they're what we're dealing with compared to Europe. I mean, uh, I actually applaud the coaches in this country. It is so much harder to get results here than it is over there. For example, um, U12 uh, Manchester City coach. Every practice, he's got at least a half a field, if not a full field. Okay. Three to four goals. Okay. A keeper coach there. You know, all these things. And they have just enough money to pay for quality coaches which means you get more time with the coaches you get more you know it's just it's just everything so we're fighting all these you know different things i mean i see teams here and it's not their fault it's just there's no there's no space you absolutely, know? I mean, absolutely. Teams, you know three teams three to four yeah. teams on one half of the field so how yeah. can you as a team even work on you know playing out of the back in a you know whatever yeah so we're always restricted now speaking of speaking and, speak, uh, oh, oh, go ahead no, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, speaking of 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 the 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 benefits of of your European coaching uh, background, can you describe a little bit about that after after your you know career playing overseas, playing at Bruges, playing at West Ham, playing over in MLS, and, and going back and getting licenses in Europe? Uh, how how did you decide that you wanted to get in into coaching? Um, I retired in two thousand six. Um. And as a player, um, my career was, obvi- you know, obviously amazing. I mean, to play in the Olympics in 92 and play in the Premier League with West Ham and play in the Champions uh, Division with uh, the Champions uh, League Division with uh, Luton Town um, was, was, I mean, a dream come true, to say the least. Um, but it wasn't always, you know, a perfect you know, career. I mean, I went from, you know, starting to sit in the bench to starting again, sit in the bench, getting cut, you know, and all these things at, at the time that I thought really sucked. Excuse the language, but were not fun. Actually made me a better, you know, player. And it turned me into a, a better coach. I, it's weird. I feel that I played soccer to become a coach. While I was playing, I thought I was just playing. Um, so I went through all these different things that, you know, were at the time seemed negative, but they actually turned out to be positives, which now helped me as a coach, um, with my ability so, so much more, you know, so much more. So once I started coaching in 2006, um, I just, I immediately fell in love with it, you know, and I just, I started just out on not necessity, but just out of, you know, this is probably the next phase. I mean, all my buddies in Europe are doing it. So let me get into this and. You know, it's turned into uh, a really cool career. I mean, now you know, I've worked with both the men and women's national team and 
I was with LA Galaxy for 10 seasons. Um, USC, Pepperdine, worked at numerous, you know, colleges. Um, so it's, it's, it's brought a lot of, uh, a lot of joy to my life. Can you describe the the difference between coaching youth players versus professionals and, and, and whether I, I know you're very much an advocate of training youth players the same way you train a professional because the game doesn't change. It's just the speed of play changes. So, so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I just, I'm not going to train an eight year old um, to catch or an eight year old. Um, every time I get a, a, a player um my long-term I, I think long-term my long-term view is to get them to catch at in the national team level you know that's just the, the highest level you can get so every keeper whether of course not all of them are going to reach that i know that but i i, I don't understand you know understand how i can't do that um so the only difference would be is you know the emphasis of what you're working on i mean if an eight-year-old comes in i'm sure you know the emphasis is going to be you know very technical here's how you catch here's how you dive here's how you receive a back pass here's how you you know those kind of things you know um we're not going to be necessarily you know it's 80 percent technique at those ages you know um you still work the game and all that into it positioning and movement but the emphasis just changes you know as a professional it's 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 streamlined it's um you know, more game related, all those kind of things. So, um, really technically nothing is going to change. Um, it just depends on, you know, age and ability, what I'm going to be focused more on, you know, now, you know, you were talking about the national team being the highest level in regards to trying to achieve that, that level of international uh, ability. Um, you spent some time with, with both the men's and women's national team programs. Can, can you describe that experience and, and what you learned from working with the men's programs and the women's programs and whether there was any difference or, or any, anything that you uh, had to adjust working from the two different programs? No. Um, again, I mean, I, I, I remember when I, when I first started, uh, coaching Hope Solo, the first question she asked me, um, it was right after we literally shook hands and met was, do you train the men any different than women? And I thought it was like a trick question for a second. And I was like, hell no. And she goes, I like this guy, <laughs> you know, I like this guy. And I don't, I mean, there might, I would, and this is not even a male-female thing. I mean, the, the one thing I will do is I'll adjust certain things we, we do based on the keeper and their ability, you know, and that's not even a men-women thing. That's just a, 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 a personal um, a, a personal thing where, you know, if someone's struggling with something, we might adjust a little bit here and there or, or do this or that. But in terms of, you know, changing how I coach a woman or a man. No, we, we, we're going to do the same stuff. And, and like I said, if something needs to be adjusted based off their own personal, you know, thing, we'll adjust that. But to, to, to train with the national teams was such an honor. And, uh, you know, I had a, a chance to train under Clinchman with Tim Howard and, and Bill Hamid and that, and, you know, it was just, uh, uh, an amazing, amazing, uh, achievement for myself and a dream come true, you know? 
And I, I love a lot of the things that you've been you've been saying throughout out of this, and a lot of that comes from the actual philosophy that you've created based on the curriculum at Premier Goalkeeping Academy. So, for those of you out there who aren't familiar with PGKA, uh, it is in a, a SoCal-based uh, organization that uh, that Ian Foyer is is the head of. So, can you tell us a little bit more about PGKA and and what you guys do, what your philosophy is, and and how uh, how you incorporate everything that you're talking about right now into your trainings? Over there. Sure, yeah. I started PGK when I retired from your goalkeeping academy, and uh, it's just grown into this uh, amazing family of goalkeepers that um, I couldn't be more proud of. You know, and, and you know, for me, the philosophy is it's pretty simple. Um, you need to keep the love for the game. I mean, I get so many keepers coming to me, and you know, they've just been battered by their head coaches, by parents, by other players. And, you know, um, it's just such an interesting position. You know, we just, you know, we just can't afford to, you know, ever fail. And, and, you know, it's just, it's not true. You know, these kids get this feeling of, you know, um, I'm not allowed to make a mistake. And these are like 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids. and, And part of it is, you know, we're just programmed to um, feel like we're not allowed to make a mistake. And that's the worst thing you can do. And and it's just, we have to reprogram the whole system, parents, coaches. I mean, you look at the way keepers get treated in this country. It's, it's shocking. You know, I mean, and what I love about hockey is, you know, in hockey, the keeper, has a, you know, every game, the players immediately go straight up to the hockey keeper they're high five and they're plot. You know, it's just it's such a different culture. And I think in soccer, it's like the keepers just this like, you know, kid that just you know the the kid that sits in the corner and uh, you know just you know hopefully come in the game and make some saves or whatever. And it's just we got to change the whole philosophy. So for me, my main thing is is I, I teach the love of the game. And because if you don't have the love of the game, I mean, at thirteen you're going to quit. Thirteen, fourteen, you know, you know you're going to quit and go skateboard where no one's you know, barking over your shoulder, telling you what to do. Um, so it's really important for me to, you know, if they have the love to keep the love for it, if they don't have it to teach them how to love the game and, uh, to grow it from there, you know, and, and you got to grow that love so, so strong that they become impenetrable to, to negative, uh, you know, coaching and, you know, in the later age, we're, we're always going to have that too, but I just think we have to change the culture and how we, uh, how we view our goalkeepers. Yeah. And you know, it's really funny that you just brought that up because, uh, I want to transition a little bit into the professional game and, uh, the past week in goalkeeping. And one of the, the highlights that I've been seeing is, uh, Cody Cropper, a former U.S. Uh, youth international over at New England Revolution, has lost his spot to Matt Turner uh, based on form. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I think you're, you're bringing up a, a really good point in regards to how we treat our goalkeepers. It used to be in the past that if you were uh, of a, a certain pedigree, you would you, you would keep your job. You always played. You always played. You always played. And now it's, played. it's results-based now. And, uh, you yeah. know, I think obviously Friedel, you know, with, with, with the experience that he's had a, a, as a player and, and a coach, you know, he, he holds people to a certain certain level. And uh, when you see somebody in form, he's, he's going to go with that person. So, um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about that and, uh, and, and having something like that taking over uh, for, for somebody like that in MLS. Uh, do you think this is kind of a I, – I don't want to say a trend that we're going to start seeing or, or is it just uh, – 
just are you an saying other keepers, Mike, who might uh, lose their job because of form, who are big names in the MLS? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, I, 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 I've, I, seen, I've seen a few. Too. I've seen a few lately, and I'm not going to name names, but I, I have seen a few. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I didn't need to hog it. Um, what I found there's so many, um, and this is a, another thing I teach all of my keepers. There are so many factors that go into someone starting, someone not starting, someone you know. Um, for example, um, while I was with uh, LA Galaxy, you know, you'll see a player. Uh, starting because they have to balance the budget. So we got to get this guy playing more so he gets recognition. Another team has to come in for him because we got to sell him. You know, there's all these factors. There's also, you know, does the keeper need a rest? Does the keeper need a kick up the butt? Does he need, you know, so um, it's not always just based off results or technique. There's, there's also the, the, the background stuff um, that, um, you know, needs to be done. And, and for example, you know, when I was at Galaxy, we had Donovan Ricketts and Josh Saunders and Donovan, both goal, amazing goalkeepers. And, you know, we had to balance the budget and all that. So we're like, okay, uh, if we get rid of Ricketts, who's on big money, you know, will Saunders do the job? And I was like, hell yeah, he'll do a job. And, you know, so there's that. So then all of a sudden Ricketts gets sold big money Josh Shonda comes in, we give a better contract. We meanwhile, you know, we save some money at Galaxy and Josh Saunders won us uh, another championship. So there's all these different things and that go into it and uh, you know, at the same time I think competition's good. I think it uh, it makes you stronger and uh, you know, I think it's a very important task to learn is, you know, how to compete and how to be a starter, lose your spot, gain it back, how to be a backup, gain the starting spot and keep it. You know, there's all these things that can be life lessons and everything that, that happens negative or positive, I always try to turn it into a life lesson, which I learned like going back to when I was talking when I was a player, you know, I went through all these negative things that I thought that were negative at the time, but they were actually positive when you really think about it. I, I became so much stronger for it. Yeah. Now, spe- now, speaking of uh, of positives and negatives, uh, a positive is, is uh, Thibaut Courtois has been a standstay in the Chelsea goal for, for quite a while now. Uh, the negative mm-hmm. is uh, the performance yesterday. A lot of people... Uh, as we know, as as goalkeepers and as goalkeeper coaches, is that people are very fickle in regards to your performance as a goalkeeper. It's all about what did you, what have you done for me lately? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, can can we can we talk a little bit about uh, about what happened against Barca and, and your feelings in regards to those decisions uh, on on those two on those two plays? And what what I'm just t- talking about is I'm talking about the two near, near post goals uh, that were scored on Courtois yeah. uh, through through the legs. So. Yeah, I feel he didn't have the obviously he didn't have the best game. Um, I feel it got exaggerated a little more because two went through his legs. If it was just the first one, I think everybody'd be like, "Oh God, he could have done better." But then the second one happened, and then I think people started making little jokes here and there. Um, which again, this is our position. You know, this is our this is what we do. Where we got to be thick skinned. We're either the hero or the or the goat. Um, and if you if you if you're really honest, I mean, it, it, you know, those situations aren't as easy as they look. You know, it's a you know seven yard shot from a tight angle. Yeah, um, could he have done better? Hell yeah, of course. I personally would have would have maybe 
attack it a little bit more. Like once you beat the last player, I would I would have closed because that angle's so small. And if you just get small, uh, sorry, if you just come out and get big before the shot, you have a better chance than holding. But again, that's a that's a a personal you know kind of thing. But um, he's going to be fine. He's still a great goalkeeper. Um, he's shown that he can he can bounce back from mistakes in the past. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things as as a keeper, you you know it's it's a big game. You know you're out of the Champions League now, and and everybody's kind of pointing the finger at you. But you know at the same time, we could we could also point the finger at a few you know defenders, midfielders, and forwards for for not finishing their chances and all that stuff. So it is what it is. And and this is again going back to the culture, to the head coach, is knowing how to deal with with that. So let's give you an example, if that Courtois was a 11 year old at a club team. Um, the coach might have changed him during the game. So now this 11-year-old has zero confidence and probably wants to quit. You know, so those are things that we can learn from too. And, um, you know, I see that all the time where I've, I've seen keepers um, be subbed right after a mistake um, and a, play, a field player put in. I mean, that's, that's a pretty, you know, kind of low feeling. So, um it's again. I think it's 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 one of those games where Courtois is really gonna. Um, if, if I know him well enough, he's gonna he's gonna get back to training. He's gonna work hard. He's gonna look at it, and him and his keeper coach and head coach are gonna kind of you know see what they can do to make it better for the next game. Yeah, I, I think you you bring up some really good points there in regards to you know what what could have been done what can't be done you know i wasn't in the goal facing going up against messi uh so for me to you know for for lack of a better term you know uh monday morning quarterback and say oh well you know maybe he shouldn't have spread maybe he should have stayed more compact and you know kept his legs in um i've never been in that situation before at that at that level so i'm not going to nitpick there but i think what you brought up there is just really fantastic in regards to how do they how does chelsea and how does courtois move forward from this situation uh and i think he is yeah. a big enough professional that he's going to get back to training and and he's going to get back to being that world class keeper that that we all expect um and and speaking of world class uh the united states men's national team that is the worst segue ever in history probably <laughs> uh even yeah. trevor's laughing at that one right there um <laughs> But we do, we do still have to kind of get back at it, and uh, you know, next week, uh, interim coach uh, Dave Serkin, he is going to be announcing his uh, his his pool for the Paraguay uh, friendly. And who would you take, Mike? Who who, who give who, me give me four keepers? Who would you bring in? Now, Trevor is asking who I would personally take. Uh, the four keepers that I would probably bring in is I, you know, I think you got to go a lot of times with guys who are in form. Uh, personally, um, you're probably going to bring a little experience. You know, my, my main concern right now is like, I would love to bring Bill Hamid in, but he's not playing. He's not dressing, uh, over, uh, at Midland, uh, which is, which but is, is, that a, is that a reason to punish him though? Is that, I mean, he took a chance to go to Europe. Unfortunately he got there and they started winning. So he's found himself, you know, on, on the bench, but do you punish him for, for not playing games right now? If he's not informing games, does it mean he's not informing train? Does it mean he could not come in? And, and have a great men's national camp and, and you know, get the start against Paraguay. No, you're, you, you're, you're right. You're right. For, for not being a starter right now. You're, you're right, Trev. You can't, you can't fault somebody for not getting game time if their team is being successful about it. And uh, do you punish them, you know, and not bring them into the national team fold, especially if you see them as a, as a player moving forward. I think the difficult thing we have going on right now is we're talking about 2022 and we're talking about, we don't even have a head coach in place. So we've really got just a, a stopgap right now. So 
So who do you, you, Ian, you know, do you bring in guys that are in form right now or do you bring in guys that you think are going to be part of the cycle moving forward for, for something like this? This is a difficult one because I've had my, my thoughts on this for a while. I think what's hard is when you have, when it comes to the national team goalkeeper position, and this goes for different countries, you usually have, you know, a guy that plays every single top game. I mean, for example, look, I mean, over the years, we've had Friedel Keller, uh, uh, Tim Howard, you know, and, and they play. And then all of a sudden they retire and we're like, whoa, what now? So for me, it's more, almost more important is who's going to be the future second and third. That's and a- we can't, we, we got to think about this now for not, well, obviously, we're not in the next World Cup. I hate it. Oh, God, it's getting blue. Uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty hard Sorry. to say it, isn't it? It, hurts every time I, it hurts every time I say it. we got to be thinking in eight years' time, in the next four years, who's going to be our second and third for the following World Cup in eight years? Because we don't do that enough, I don't feel. we we got to we got to get this assembly line of goalkeepers going where when our, our stalwart goalkeeper that plays every game decides to retire, that we're like, bam, we got someone. You know, we can't just have just one. We got to have a guy that's, you know, two and three deep in, in this position. And I think we're always kind of trying to figure out who that is, you know. And I'm like, uh, you know, so I think we got to we got to really get um, a lot more competition for that p- position personally. And I think we have a lot of great goalkeepers in this country. Um, I just feel that there's a lot of them that don't get the opportunity to to get that chance. And I've always I've always there's such a debate I have with head coaches. I go and I you know I had not a fight with Bruce Arena, but you know I've had words with him. And for example, we would have you know our starting goalkeeper, let's say uh, you know Josh Saunders or Donovan Ricketts. You know it would be a preseason game and. The, the starting goalkeeper would start with the starting team and, you know, everything be fine and, and whatever. And then we would get uh, our second or third keeper to start in the second half with a makeshift second team. So we're talking a back four that's never played together, you know. And then afterwards, you know, Bruce would be like, oh, the keeper was sloppy. I go, was the keeper sloppy or was the whole team sloppy? Because it makes a big difference. You know, if the back four have never played together, it's going to be pretty hard to impress and be, you know, clean and and, and all these things. So it's really important to have the second keeper also start with the first team and see how they do. Yeah, I think I think think that's a I I think that's a good point. Uh, Ian, unfortunately, we're running a little bit long on time here. Uh, So just real quickly. Uh, can you name three or four keepers that you would like to see uh, integrated into the cycle uh, moving forward? Maybe not just this camp, but in, in, in the future that you really like. You know, um, I, I'm a, I've been working with I've worked with Bill Hamid a couple times, and he's a great guy, loads of potential. Um, I think we got to go with someone, you know, that I would like to see. Again, this is going to ruffle a few feathers. I'd like to see a keeper that's playing in Europe um, become our starting goalkeeper 
um, for the reason that I think when we go to the big stage, the World Cup stage, I think it just gives that little bit extra edge um, in terms of, of winning games. And, and it, you know, uh, there's just something about uh, playing in Europe that I feel um, advances the game a little bit, into, you know. And I, honestly, I don't know who that, that is right now. Um, I don't see, um, I haven't seen enough of the keepers coming into these camps to, um, make a good assessment yet. I wish, I wish I could. And I wish I was more involved that uh, I could see them on a daily basis and see how they train, see how they react to mistakes, see how they can deal with big situations. Um, but if you look at the top goalkeepers we've had, there's definitely one thing in common. Um, they've all played in Europe. And I think that makes a huge difference. And I think that's one of the reasons Bill decided to go over to Europe is to gain that little edge. And, uh, yeah, he's not starting right now, but like, like Trevor said, you know, a lot of it's down to, you know, just teams playing and, you know, they don't feel that it's necessary to make a change. It doesn't mean he's not qualified to, to, to play for us, but, uh, you know, there's plenty of goalkeepers. I feel that we have that, uh, that could do a job. I just feel we got to make sure, you know, this is a good time to look at a lot of keepers because, you know, we're not in the in the World Cup. Well, and we do have, you know, time to get those players in. I think I think you just, just brought up a really valid point. And so moving forward, uh, let's just uh, look for our keepers to push themselves to the highest level possible and uh, and gain the experience that can get us to that next World Cup in 2022. Uh, Ian, I'd like to thank you for coming on to Inside the 18 today. Uh, if anybody wants to reach you or they're interested in PGKA, where can they reach out to you? Uh, just go to the website, www.pgka.co, not .com, just .co at the end, so pgka.co. And uh, there's, yeah, all kinds of information on there. There's training videos. There's uh, all my sponsors, which uh, obviously my best, uh, my sponsor, Aviata, is, is, you know, amazing glove company. and all Ooh, that love it. So there's... Sorry, I had to shout you out, Trev. Sorry, yeah. buddy. I, I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, he appreciates that. Best glove company out there. So, Awesome. Sounds great, man. So, well, um, you can reach me at uh, lagoalkeepingacademy.com. Uh, if you are – if Ian Foyer is way too busy, you can reach out to lagoalkeepingacademy.com. How about that? Uh, or sorry, if you have any questions – Sorry, I forgot to shout out to you, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's all good, man. Uh, LA Goalkeeping Academy at gmail.com. If you have any questions, uh, inside the 18, uh, you can reach out to podcast at aviatasports.com. And if you send us a screenshot <clears throat> of me dying, no, of me coughing, <laughs> you, uh, if you send us a screenshot of you subscribing, uh, then, uh, we will, uh, give you a 20% discount on your next order at Aviata Sports. Isn't that correct, Trev? That is absolutely correct. Send us a screenshot. Send it to podcast at aviasports.com of you subscribing to our amazing Guardians of the Goalkeeper podcast here, and we'll give you 20% off and a free glove bag on your next order. So Awesome. And, well, definitely, Ian, we're definitely going to have to have you back on, especially to talk about your camps this summer. So uh, that's all Any, the time. Anytime, buddy. For sure. So uh, that's all the time we have on Inside the 18, uh, presented by Aviata Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy, and we will see you guys next time. We're out. You've been listening to Inside the 18, presented by Aviata Sports and the LA Goalkeeping Academy. For more information on Inside the 18, check out www.aviatasports.com or www.lagoalkeepingacademy.com.